Well, welcome to Grace Church San Diego. My name is Scott, if we've never met. And hey, this message is important to me. It's going to be important to you. So I want you to share it. If you're on Facebook, hit the share button. Uh, if you're on live stream, copy the URL, send it to some friends. This is going to be impactful for all of us. Well, I am a pastor, but full-blown confession, I love, I love, I love, I love, I love fighting. It's true. I love boxing and martial arts and MMA and jiu-jitsu and those things. And, you know, it started early on. I started doing martial arts at seven years old and spent about 20 years in it. And now I'm just a fan, but I love it. And I know some of you are cringing because some of you hear that and you see some of it on TV and you think it's barbaric. But here's the truth. It is a game of skill. It's a competition of skill. And it's skill of the mind and the body. And way back in the day when I used to train, we used to have this, this mantra, this phrase, where we used to call it's an 80-20 rule. It was 80% mind, 20% body, and the body follows the mind. What if I said the same is true for temptation? The same is true. It's not just external. It's not just the body, but it's a fight of the mind, and we must be prepared. Today, I want to talk about how. How can we prepare? How can we learn to fight temptation? And we're going to do that by looking at Jesus. We're in this series called Temptation Island, and if you've been following along the first week, Pastor Nolan talked about temptation versus sin and the difference between the two. Last week, Pastor Dan talked about the root of temptation, and when he said this, exposing the root of temptation releases the power of temptation. And what I loved about that sermon is it really did, it exposed how temptation works. And now that we ha have the ability to look into how it works, we can then look in how are we to respond, how are we to fight temptation. And that's what we're going to look at today as well. We're going to look at scripture today. We're going to look at how Jesus fought temptation. And if you want to open your Bible, look at Matthew 4. We're going to be there in a moment. I quickly just want to give a little disclaimer. And here's my disclaimer. If you're not used to church, maybe during this pandemic, you started checking out faith and, and understanding and discovering who God is. So you're tuning in. Uh, I want you to know that I'm going to use some phrases today and I don't want you to freak out because I'm going to say things like Satan and spiritual attack and Holy Spirit. And I don't want you to be distracted by these words because there's truth in this message for you and practical application for your life. So stay tuned. Turn with me to Matthew 4. We're going to jump in in just a second, but I want to first give you a little bit of a con uh, context. First, the way I'm going to preach this message is not all the time, but I'm going to go kind of verse by verse, and I'm going to do a stop, start. It's going to be a back and forth, and the reason that is is because there's a fight happening here. There's a back and forth happening here between Satan and Jesus, and so I'm going to read a verse, and we're going to stop. We're going to look at what Satan is doing to expose his his strategy. We're going to look at how Jesus responds, and we're going to look at how we are to respond because of it. In this scripture at this time, here's what's happening. Jesus was just baptized. He was just baptized, and it's also right before his ministry. It's, it's what we're reading today is right before he recruits his first disciples, and he goes on and goes forward with his ministry. So sandwiched in between his baptism and his ministry, Jesus is tempted. He is tested. In fact, in the, ver in the scripture we're reading today, the word temptation in the Greek, parazo, means testing, actually. Jesus is being tested in this moment. And just like you and I, we are tested in our lives for our entire lives. You will be tested. 
But just like any sport or competition or anything in life, we must be prepared. And that's what this message is about, to learn how to fight together. So let's dive in. I want to read first verse 1. It says this, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, pause there. Just a couple, a sentence, right? And I want to pause because it says Jesus was led by the Spirit. And so I just want to pose a question to you as we kick off this message and we peer into this scripture and into the story. Here's the question. Who are you led by? Who leads you? Are you led by yourself, right, to, up to your own devices? Are you led by your emotions? Are you led by others? Maybe you're led by codependency. What and who are you led by? This, where when Jesus starts and right before he's going to be tempted, it says he is led by the Spirit. Jesus starts the right way. He is led by God. He is led by the Spirit. And we see this true in this story. We see this true in our lives, that even when we are led by the Spirit, it doesn't mean we're not going to be tempted. And then we go on into the story and we see how he is tempted. In verse 2, it says this, And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, now pause again. Now pause again. He was fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he says. Jesus was hungry. And right then and there, the tempter, Satan comes. And he's about to tempt Jesus. And I want to pause there because I want to recognize what's happening. It's after he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. Here's what's tr- happening in this scripture, and here's what's happens, what happens in our lives. Satan attacks us at our greatest time of need and at our greatest weakness. Let me say it again. Satan attacks us at our greatest time of need and at our greatest weakness. Isn't that true for you and I? When did the tempter come? He came at Jesus' greatest time of need. You have to understand when we read this in context, not only was Jesus fasting for 40 days, right? So he is depleted, he is hungry, he is starving, but he's in the Judean wilderness. He is in a barren desert. So the environment is taking its toll on his physical body. He is so depleted. I want you to picture the man of Jesus, physically weak, starving, hungry, tired, alone, lonely. You know, he is so so weak. He's at a great time of need, and he's, a, he's at a great moment of weakness. At your greatest time of need, at your greatest weakness, Satan knows and will attack you right there. It's a spiritual attack, and we can't ignore it. It's true, and it happens. Satan often a- attempts to tempt us, to test us at our biggest weakness as well at our biggest time of need. So first, think of the environment you tend to find yourself in when you're tempted the most. What does that look like for you? Maybe it's been this time in the pandemic where you're you're isolated and you're alone and you find yourself alone all the time and temptations come. Think about that. Who's behind that? How is that happening? Think of other scenarios. Maybe you hide yourself into your work and you identify as a workaholic and that's who you are and you get lost into your work, Satan could come and attack that as well. For me, the environment that I, find, I have found myself in where Satan attacks, you know, back when we were here in church on Sundays uh, in person, every Wednesday and Thursday for years, something would happen. I'd get in a fight with my wife, something would happen with my kids, 
and I would say something stupid, I'd make a mistake, something would happen and I would get in this attitude of discouragement and then these thoughts would come. Scott, who do you think you are to preach God's word? You're not worthy. You are insignificant. Who on earth do you think you are? And every Wednesday or Thursday, it was like clockwork. And finally I caught on and I'll never forget one Wednesday I was talking to people, some staff here at Grace, and I was telling them about what happened that morning, how I got in a fight with my wife. And they're like, well, why aren't you that upset about it? And I said, because I know exactly what's happening. It's a spiritual attack. Satan is attacking me because I am supposed to preach God's word on Sunday. It happens like clockwork. Satan knows how to attack you at your greatest time of need and not your greatest weakness. So what is it for you? What are those moments for you? What are your greatest weaknesses? Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's uh, issues of money. What could it be for you? Identify what that is because Satan already knows and he will use it. He will use it at the right times when you're weak and when you're in, you're in a time of great need. He will attack you with what those things are. So in this moment, we see what's happening with Jesus and Satan comes and he tempts him. And this is what it says in verse three. He says, and the tempter came and he said to him, listen to this, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. You see what's happening here. See what's happening in this moment. And before we get it, we dissect it a little bit. Here's the point I want you to see what Satan is doing to Jesus and what he does to us is Satan attacks our identity with doubt. Listen to what he's saying. If you are who you say you are, Jesus, if you are the son of God, well then why don't you perform? Why don't you do this? He's offering doubts into his mind so he would doubt who he truly is. And he does the same for you and I. He does the same for us. He attacks who we are. Think about it. Satan goes to Jesus. If you're the son of God, then this. Maybe it looks like this for us. If you call yourself a Christian, or if God really exists, if he's real, like you say he is, right? I see your posts. You're a Christian. If God is inside of you, like you claim he is, well, why doesn't he just give you a new job? Why does he have you in that situation? Why wouldn't he just bless you with more money? Or why would God allow you to go through that type of pain, that type of abuse? You know, for me, Scott, when I, when I was young, Scott, if God is real, you call yourself a Christian, just in my own thoughts, right? I thought they were my thoughts. Then why on earth would God allow your mom to die when you were four? You don't even know her voice. God doesn't love you. Think about it. Think about that. What are the lies Satan is offering you to create doubt in your mind that would strike a chord inside of you and you would doubt who you are in Christ? You would doubt that you were loved by a loving and powerful God. What are those things for you throughout your life? And I'm sorry to break the news. It's going to happen until you die. Satan will offer doubts that will shake up your identity, that sets you up for the test and you will fail. Hopefully not, but that's what he is doing. That is his strategy. So now I want us to look at how Jesus would respond. Pay attention to this. This is how Jesus responds. He, he says back to Satan, back to the tempter. He says this, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth 
of God. And I love what he's doing. We've got to pay attention to what he's doing. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the, ma- uh, the mouth of God. So Jesus in this moment goes from a temporal perspective. Think of it and remember his depleted, weak, hungry, alone body. And he goes from this temporal perspective to an eternal perspective. Because he's been fasting, which means he's been narrowing his perspective and focus so that he could be dependent upon the Spirit, upon God. And so he shifts from a human need to making sure he fulfills his eternal need, his spiritual need inside of him. And Jesus responds by speaking truth to the lies. He speaks truth to lies. What is the the truth? He speaks God's word. You see, what he's doing here and what he just said is actually a quote. He's quoting the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 8. He's quoting the Torah, the old scriptures. Jesus Christ right now is quoting the truth, the word of God. Back in Deuteronomy 8, he's using that against Satan to speak truth to lies. Such a powerful thing. But guys, we need to know that truth. We need to know. I'll give you a practical example. Years and years, over a decade ago, I was taken to court, and it was a personal issue. I was taken to court four separate times, and I was so angry. I was so upset. I was so emotional of it because things were said about me that aren't true. And you know what that's like. You know that feeling you have inside of you, that rage, that injustice. You know what that feels like inside of you. can't believe they're saying this. That's not true. I didn't say that. I didn't do that. I didn't. It was so, I was so, so angry. And my spiritual director at the time was asking me, was making me memorize scripture and understanding scripture and then applying it to my lives. And I'll never forget, I would summarize scriptures in my head and I'll never forget John 14, 27. The peace I give to you, it's not of this world. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. And so I remember the last court case, the night before, God, give me your peace. He said, you're going to give it to me. I know it's not of this world. It's of you. I'm not going to let my heart be troubled. Help me not to be afraid. The next morning, I would repeat that over and over again. I'm walking into the courtroom. I would repeat that scripture, John 14, 27, over and over again. This side speaks lies from this side. It's my turn to, to, for my rebuttal. And I actually speak words. I've never articulated things like I ever have in that courtroom that day before. It was so powerful, and I knew where it came from. It didn't come from me. It came from the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I spoke truth to lies against me. And I was like this, you guys. I was steady. God works by his truth. We can speak truth to those lies and defeat what Satan is doing and how he's trying to test us, to tempt us. So back to Jesus in this moment, because Satan switches gears, and just like in our lives, he tries at another angle to test us, to tempt us. And this is what he says, five through six. It says this, Then the devil took him to the holy city, set him up on a pinnacle of the temple, and he says to him, Jesus, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone." And already, I know a lot of you are, you're already recognizing the strategy of Satan, right? He's trying to tempt and test from another angle. But you recognize what he said again. If you are the son of God, twice now, he's trying to attack his identity with doubt. Twice now he's doing that. He does that more 
times than not. He will attack your identity with doubt as well. But twice now, he does this. And how does Jesus respond again? This is what he says in 7. Jesus said to him, Again it is written. Hey, Satan, again it is written. You shall not put your Lord, your God, to the test. Again it is written. Again, Jesus responds by speaking truth to lies. He comes right back at at him. In this fight, as Satan is trying to beat up Jesus by his testing and his tempting, Jesus comes right back at him, counters him with the same technique, with the same strategy, by speaking truth to lies. Again, he's quoting scripture. He's quoting Deuteronomy 6 this time. So Jesus, speaking truth to the lies, is quoting scripture in a powerful way, defeating and passing the test of that moment and that temptation. Satan, again, tries from a different angle. Like he will your life, he does that with Jesus in this moment. Verse 8, read with me. It says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he says to him, all these I'm going to give to you if you would just uh, fall down and worship me. So he tempts him from a different angle. You notice he didn't use the identity piece. He didn't say if you're the son of God. He says, I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you dominion over all the world and its glory. If you're just going to bow down and worship me, that's all you got to do, and it's all yours. He's so, you know, we don't give him enough credit, and we need to. Satan is smart, but Jesus is brilliant in his response. This is what he says in 10. Then Jesus said to him, and I, you know, I wasn't there, but I imagine Jesus is a little fed up. He's like, all right, you're done. And he says this, be gone, Satan, for it is written, Again, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Here's what he says, for it is written. A third time in a powerful way, Jesus passes the test. He defeats Satan in the moment by speaking truth to lies. And he again, as it is written, he quotes scripture again from Deuteronomy 6 against Satan defeating him in this moment. And in this fight, Satan against Jesus, in this fight, Satan against you and I, we must do the same thing. We must speak truth to fight and defeat the lies, to fight and defeat the enemy. He's using the same technique every single time. Why? Because just like me in that courtroom, I knew that truth would win. I knew that truth would prevail. Lies don't match up to truth. It's not an even fight. Truth will win the fight. Finally, verse 11. Then the devil left him, and behold, all the angels came and were ministering to him, ministering to Jesus. So I want you to take in this story and analyze what I just said and what we went through in this story of how Satan tempts and tests Jesus. Jesus counters in the fight by speaking truth to lies three different times. And on and on our lives go, being tested and tempted. And what is our job? What is our role in this? To speak truth to lies exactly how Jesus did it. But you have to first recognize, and this is, this is an application for you. This is what I want you to take away from this. What lies are you believing that are living inside of you, that you are allowing to, being, to be spoken to you that you need to fight with truth. What are those lies inside of you? You're just a know-nothing addict. Like, who are you? 
you can't defeat alcohol or drugs or using or whatever it is. Whatever it is, you're unworthy, your insecurity, you have to depend on her or him. Whatever that is, you're a failure. You're not worthy like, like me, right? Whatever those things are, what are the lies inside of you that you need to speak God's truth to? You and I must be people to speak truth to lies. Listen, Jesus did not come and die for you and I to spend our lives not being victorious over temptation. Our job is to, to defeat it, and we see exactly how to do it. So what are you going to do about it? Are you going to do what Jesus did, or are you going to do it your way? Who are you led by? We must be committed to God's grace, God's truth, and we have to know truth in order to speak it. So as crazy as these times are with what's happening in our world, I want to raise the bar. Every day you should be in the Word of God. Every day you should be reading Scripture. It's not enough for you to watch this once a week and get your Bible teaching. It's not enough. You have to meditate on it every single day. You need to know truth, right? You need to know it. So I just want to challenge you. Take out your phone right now. Set an alarm. Get up early before your family. Put your phone back down. Don't look at Instagram, Twitter, or whatever, whatever. And go in another room and read scripture. Commit. Maybe it's just 20 minutes. That's it. But do it. Commit to it every single day. Be in God's word. Pray over the scripture that you're reading. And you, you can't just know it. You have to understand it. So you need to pray before, pray during, pray after. Meditate on the words of scripture and then apply it to your lives. To your lives. Ask God, what does this mean to me? How do I apply this? The Holy Spirit will reveal that to you if you commit yourself to doing that. You have to be committed to it in order to speak truth to lies. Because if you do those things, if you commit to every day reading scripture, something beautiful happens, something powerful happens, but the Holy Spirit inside of you, when you need it, when you're at your greatest time of need and at your greatest weakness, when Satan comes, when the tempter comes and attacks you, you will be able to speak truth to lies because you've been so committed, so dedicated to God's word that you can do it. Grace Church, this is our commitment, our dedication to take our faith seriously so that we can speak truth to lies. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and this message. What happens with Jesus when he is tempted? God, I pray that you would reveal inside of us the lies that we are believing, that we are receiving, that we are letting in, that we need to speak truth to. God, maybe there's someone watching right now, maybe it's after on YouTube, and it's months or even a year later, and you're doing something inside of this person. If that is you, I pray that you recognize God is calling you. He's very real, and he's active and working inside of you right now. Go to him. Cry out to him. Say, God, you sent your son Jesus to die for me. I'm going to receive you and commit myself and my life to my faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord, as my Savior, I believe. Place your faith, your life in him. Jesus, I pray that all of us, as, as the world turns upside down in, in politics and social issues and all kinds of crazy chaos that's happening. I pray that we would be so committed to humility and love and your grace, your mercy, your truth, 
that there would be something so different and we would lead the world in that. That you would give us the ability through our commitment to you to speak truth to lies. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.